I loved it. I mean, I loved training. Um, you kind of dedicate your whole life to your sport at a, when you're at a professional level. And uh, as I call it, the relentless pursuit of passion. And that is exactly exactly what it was. You know, I, I lived, eat, slept, wakeboarding. Um, I would dream about it. I still should. I still dream about it. Hello everyone, my name is Pablo Quiroga, and I am the host of a new show that I'm starting this year called Devotion Freeze. Yes, Devotion Freeze. Why Devotion Freeze? Why did I choose those two words back to back? Well, last year was, like I'm sure many of you could relate, had a lot of ups and downs roller coaster, hills, whatever you want to call it, plateaus, valleys, peaks, and I loved every second of it. I've learned so much about myself, so much about where I am in this world and where the world is in me. I've developed more relationships than ever before in different spaces, and I, you know, through these podcasts, and interactions with other humans and meeting individuals that were super passionate and devoted to what they were doing and have been doing their entire lives, it made me reflect as to what am I devoted to? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm failing, dropping flat on my face, getting right back up and learning, hitting successes here, hitting successes way over there. And last year was a complete, um, and you're going to hear in in today's podcast, metamorphosis, uh, a really, really good phase, you know, and I honestly, I don't feel like I'm out of the cocoon yet. I'm still in the phase of... um, struggling and building up what is this human vehicle that I'm in um, today, right now, and I'm fortunate to be in. So, um, and, and the cool thing about it, though, is I have this platform, I have this mic, and these cool technologies um, that, I'm enab- that enable me to share my story, and all the rawness that I want to share with you guys this year. So you're going to be seeing a lot more video, more recordings. Um, you know, social media is going to be um, a big part of what I'm going to be doing. Um, so now I think it's time to take the best, refine the worst that I've learned from last year and serve it up on my table my life table. And I, I, I want to share that with everyone around. Um, there's going to be things that people like, there's going to be things that people don't like. Um, but I hope that at the end of the day, uh, there is some actionable knowledge that you're going to be able to act on when you go back home on your daily life. So if you're an entrepreneur as well, or an athlete, or are seeking um, to further your health and wellness life, definitely tune in um, because I'm going to 
bring in a lot of other humans that are impacting this world in ways that you and I dream of. So <laughs> I'm totally stoked to be sharing these stories um, and also my journey. So um, I just can't, I can't wait. And all of this, right, um, is what I envision being part of this new show called Devotion Freeze. Because once you're into this pocket, once you get into this flow, and you can completely devote every single cell of energy that's within you and around you, I've been told that it can release us into another dimension that we can't even think of. And this reality that we live in right now amplifies just like when we first heard of HD and then 4D and 3000D or whatever it is right now all those colorful megapixels that we see in television we're going to be able to see that through our own eyes and I think if we cannot live on a daily basis with those types of lenses what are we doing? <laughs> we got one life on this earth. One. Whatever it is that you're holding on to right now, if you have hands, if you have feet, if you have a nose, if you have eyes, if you can see, if you can hear, whatever it is that you have, taste, all those senses, love them, respect them, use them, practice them, train them with me all right we're going to be taking this to a whole other level guys so in this show we will be exploring the story behind current and future legends and discover actionable knowledge we can all leverage in our daily life performance sports nutrition meditation innovation creativity heart intelligence the evolution of technology and the discovery of flow state are just a few of the topics we will be diving into this year. So without further ado, today I want to welcome you to Barrett Perlman. This girl has gone through the process of metamorphosis very recently. And from my observation, she's blossoming like extremely colorful butterfly, Amazonia type, all right? Barrett was actually born and raised in South Florida. Uh, she was never really an, a very athletic kid, uh, though she tried everything she can get her hands on, you know? Uh, she went to snowboarding for the first time at the age of 14. And like most kids, she was totally stoked about it. And she got wet, you know? She wanted to just rip it up. So after returning home, she wanted to be a pro snowboarder, right? Start putting up the posters, <laughs> started wearing the beanies when it's 80 degrees outside. And well, like most of us, we have parents, right? So Barrett's mom told her to pick something else because the nearest mountain was 12 hours away and they weren't moving, right? So 
that's actually when Barrett discovered wakeboarding. She said, you know, there's a bunch of lakes about where I live. So frozen ice, liquid water, let's shred, right? Four years later, Barrett turned pro and was consistently ranked as one of the top 10 women in the world. So in 2010, Barrett began to transition into another chapter in her life and moved to LA, Los Angeles, where she took up stunts and acting for a while. So Barrett finally transitioned into producing TV shows in 2013, and recently she feels like she's finally succeeding in her life after a long career in action sports. But, you know, if we put ourselves in her shoes, that's how she's feeling. But from my opinion, and I bet from a lot of people around her, she's been succeeding way before then. Um, so we're, we'll be learning about this in a little bit. Barrett has actually, she's produced TV shows for Fox, MTV, CNBC, HLN, Go90, Snapchat, and a whole lot more. Barrett's background in action sports and her new career as a filmmaker finally pushed her to create the documentary film Life After X. And this film is about the evolution of action sports industry and its athletes after they're retired. Welcome to Devotion Freeze. <laughs> um, you want to go ride BMX, you know, you can, there's anywhere. Um, I love street art. I was able to get in with a bunch of street artists. And um, so that was like a small segment of my life too, getting up around town and um, going to all the gallery openings, which I still love to go to and appreciate their work. And um, gosh, everything. I mean, I'm sure there's like knitting clubs. What was that? No, it sounds like you have a little band ski in you too. A little, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. the streets of LA. Yes. I have a friend, um, Gregory Siff, who's a big street artist, and he is completely inspired by Basquiat. And he does all these little faces and stuff like Basquiat used to do. Um, very Rad. cool stuff. That's so, cool. yeah, like it's, it's just awesome to have everything available to you that you could ever think of. And I think of weirder and weirder shit like every month. And it's here. <laughs> so uh, that part of transitioning to Los Angeles has been nothing shy of amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you definitely have to be, a, you, know, you know, a very efficient sponge out there, you know, and kind of like filter everything because there's so much. I mean, it's 100%. Like all your senses are just, there it is. You want the mountains? There it is. You want to try to become an actor? You know, like everything, there's so many possibilities that it, it's a great environment to be in for sure. Absolutely. Uh, it's a great training ground for athletes and stuff too. I mean, yeah. you can run on the beach. Um, Red Bull has their high performance gym here, which is great for Red Bull athletes only. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's yeah. just, uh, you know, uh, there's just tons of awesome shit here. Any, anything you want to do, literally you can do. So you were, okay, so you were like a pro wakeboarder, you go out to LA, uh, you know, for some reason you wanted to be, get into acting, like what was that reason? Like why did you want to get into that? I used to act when I was a kid. Um, that was my first thing I ever knew. I, well, that's not true. It was the second thing I ever knew I wanted to be as a kid. 
And I loved it so much that when um, my sponsorships from wakeboarding got cut in 2008, <clears throat> which was kind of the, the beginning of the end of my career, um, I realized I just graduated college and that kind of stuff. And I wasn't happy. And I wasn't happy wakeboarding because it was becoming a uphill battle all the time. Um, I just graduated college. I had all this extra time on my hands, but like I did not want to get a nine to five job. And I remembered how happy acting used to make me. And so I kind of just was like, I'm going to take it up for fun. And again, got good at it. And um, before I left Orlando, acting and modeling were basically what was paying my bills. And I was like, you know, I had the opportunity to move to Los Angeles and I was stoked. I mean, there's no other, like, I was so excited because I'd always wanted to move to Los Angeles. I wanted to go to college out here, actually. Um, I'm glad I didn't because we wouldn't have met, but it's, yeah, it was finally like a dream come true to move to Los Angeles. And yeah. I was able to pursue acting out here and, you know, had some parts and some stuff, but uh, it's it might be the only thing that is harder to excel at than a career as a professional athlete. <laughs> Metamorphosis story is uh, is a beautiful one. You know that whole struggle and wanting wanting more. You know, and and, and like seeing the beautiful lights up, up in the sky. You know, um, if we can speak metaphorically, outside of the cocoon. And, and you just wanted to see what it was like. You know, you wanted to see what the party's like and, and you want to be part of the party. And, you know, now you're starting to throw your own parties. So, yeah, um, coming to my party. We're, we're there, right. We're getting there. So, you got into producing. How was that like? Um, you know, acting to then becoming a producer. What kind of work were you um, getting into? And, and can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I uh, produced my own short film, and that was how I knew I really loved it. Um, being a producer really is just a fancy word for the ultimate problem solver. Um, cause that is like 90% of what we do is just solve problem after problem. Um, <clears throat> I had all this experience being, you know, the president of the collegiate wakeboard association and running events for television with, um, CBS for their collegiate nationals. And when I came out here, I didn't really know how to translate all of that to a resume. And I was, I was actually just looking for like jobs that could get me by. I wanted like four part-time jobs that could equal a full-time income while I still sort of figured out what the hell I was doing with my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I happened to target this uh, woman who was looking for a part-time assistant slash nanny. And she was an executive producer and I sent her over my resume. And she looked at my resume and she goes, oh my gosh, I, why are you applying to be my assistant? You're so overqualified for, for $18 an hour assistant. And at the time I was like, do you know what minimum wage is? Like, I am so like not overqualified to make $18 an hour. Um, <laughs> but she was like, I want to meet you. And so she, she pulled me in. She runs um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's, uh, a lot of his, um, what is it? Press, press hit record. Sure. Um, she runs a lot of stuff for him. So she interviewed me on the spot to be his assistant <laughs> of which I was like, Whoa, full-time job. Like, I don't even, I can't even talk about that right now. Like, so I blew that opportunity. Um, but she was like, 
you are, have all of these really great things going for you and this amazing resume. Um, I want to introduce you to my business partner, who I think you might be better suited for, who has more business stuff going on that you could help with. And I met her. She also loved me. She didn't know what to do with me because of my resume. Um, and of all things, she was working on an MTV show called Virgin Territory. And she had a, a position open up for an office PA. Okay. And, uh, what that means is uh, your PA is short for production assistant. And a production assistant is the lowest person on the totem pole of an entire production. So I looked at it and went, oh boy, uh, this is a massive step backwards in ego um, and accomplishments. But, you know, she had sort of said, you could be my assistant on the side while you're here. You'll be right underfoot, right where I need you. And <clears throat> I'll help groom you. And um, so I put my pride aside. Breaking the ego and producing a new path. Can you believe that? It's tough. I don't know about you guys, but the ego is the enemy. It's also a book. Really good friend of mine. Shout out to Danny Walters. He loves that book. Loves the author. And I do too. Because one of the hardest things that I've had to process in my life and be aware of is the ego. Is the ego. And it's that's a huge process in itself. And it's a beautiful process to go through because you totally, totally shed an entire layer of soul skin and start building up again, you know. And it becomes something that you're able to control because you're able to see it. The first thing is being able to see it. If you can see it, then you can do something with it. And this is what Barrett is doing continuously. She knows where she's at. She knows her feet are on the ground. She wants to pick things up and make things happen. Doesn't matter what it takes. Doesn't matter where she is. Doesn't matter where she's sitting. She's making moves and going for it. Creating paths every day. You know, these paths are not straight. If you can imagine being able to see the roots of an enormous tree, those are all the paths that we have to create so that the tree is stealth, is strong, can forever live, can be awed by other people and impact this world. And again, this is what Barrett's doing. And said, you know what? I'm having problems getting hired for other jobs because I don't have recognizable credits on my resume. This is an MTV show. This will be a recognizable credit. Granted, I don't want to be a PA for the rest of my life, but like, I'm going to use this as a stepping stone to the next thing. And I, I took the job, and at times it was very humbling. But I worked my ass off, and I was good at what I did, and I learned from um, everyone as much as I could. And I was able to use that as a stepping stone six months later to, to graduate to becoming an associate producer and an assistant editor um, at the, the corporate company that had owned that show. 
and so that for me then was the beginning of my career as a producer um, because I just fought for it and I was willing to take jobs where I was like, well, can I transition out of this into producing? I'll take it. You know, I'll do all of your AEing, which is um, assistant editing it involves like taking the footage, putting it in the computer, labeling it the way people want it labeled, putting it through a processor. If you filmed it at 30 frames per second and it needs to be 23 or like linking all this, you don't get to do anything fun. It's all very relatively menial and boring. <laughs> but I was like, all right, I'll do it. I'm in, you know, and um I think that's what enabled me to to rise quickly in the producing ranks is that I've always been in and I've always been game and I've always said no job is beneath me. I'll change the trash if that's what you really need me to do. And I think people admire that kind of a, a work ethic. And that's definitely what's helped me rise to to where I am now, where I'm um I'm producing shows for MTV as a producer, not a PA and uh, Fox and CNBC and um, there's a big celebrity whose company has now tapped me to be what's called a showrunner, which is the executive producer who uh, comes on board and oversees the entire production of the show and is very hands-on and in every single element. They're like the day-to-day -day top dog that you know kind of oversees it all. So um, in that regard, I'm, I'm very blessed at where producing has taken me and I feel I'm so grateful that I've found something after wakeboarding that I can be as passionate about that makes me want to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like you've been, you know, carving out some amazing um, paths for yourself, you know, you. And, and just completely shredding it, you know, out of passion. Um, it's it, how crazy is it that like one person like that, you know, I'm, I'm sure along the way, there's like all a lot of other people that have helped you and molded you. But isn't it crazy how like one person can create a pitchfork uh, type of situation for you? And it's either like, hey, you can continue going down that road. And good luck. Or if you want to explore and really become like an astronaut of your own life. Yeah. You know, here's a window you can crawl in through. You might not like the, you know, what you see right after you walk in through the window. But if you continue going further, you're going to find exactly what you've been looking for your entire life. And you don't even know what it looks like right now. But I promise you, it's going to be stellar, you know, at the end. Absolutely. I love that, an astronaut of your own life. But like to be, but, you know, to understand that um, in the beginning, I mean, you have to be fearless. I'm still the producer on set who... You know, if I feel like I can lend a helping hand in picking up the pace, if that means I'm carrying gear to and from the car, if that means I'm placing stuff, like, A, I have a very hard time just sitting back and letting other people do things when I know I could help and uh, keep us on time or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's totally. like, yeah, something that helps make me good at my job now. For sure. It, it, it and I'm sure it's like helped your uh, empathy level, you know, your, your empathy IQ. It's like, and that's what a lot of people at an executive phase of their life lack. You know, they, they just, they don't get it because I don't know, at some point they just, 
maybe they didn't have to experience those things, you know? Right. They never had to carry coolers <laughs> from one side of a property to the other. They're effing heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and empathy goes a long way, you know? It goes a long way. People remember you for the, for the things like that, you know? Right. Different ways you interact with humans. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, all those projects are, are conducted by humans, you know, most of it. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we are going into that phase of, like, a lot of technology and cool things like that, but you know, all that, all that work is manual labor. So you're dealing with humans and humans are so volatile. <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, it's good. That's bringing you into life after X, right? Into this round. So give us a little bit of background about life after X. Great. Uh, so life after X is inspired by my own story, my own journey. Um, I came up with a concept for this documentary five years ago because I was living it. Um, Athletic identity is described as the degree to which an individual identifies with the athlete role and looks to others for acknowledgement of that role. It is often said that a sports star will die twice the first time at retirement. For elite athletes who have dedicated their lives to sport, what happens when their time comes to an end? You know, if you're not an athlete, who are you? There's certain things that happen to an athlete when they retire, and I'm sure that's very similar across all sports, but specifically in action sports, they don't equip us with the tools of having a union we can turn to or having, you know, psychiatrists that are on staff that we can talk to about what's going on. And um, so you kind of go through like this identity crisis when you leave, because you've always completely identified yourself as the person that you are doing your sport. So for me, it was, I'm Barrett Perlman. I'm a professional wakeboarder. And I've said that for so long. And that because my life was 100% consumed with wakeboarding, um, that was my identity. And there's things that go along with that, right? So traveling all the time, um, going to tournaments, constantly meeting people. Um, One of the things for me personally that I actually miss the most is coaching people and helping others achieve things that they didn't think they were capable of. Um, So little weird things like that, like that, you don't get again right away when you leave your sport and you're all of a sudden like going through this thing of, of how do you even introduce yourself to people anymore? Right. Cause I mean, the second question people ask right after what's your name is like, Oh, so what do you do? Um, you know, at a certain point, like I say, I'm a former professional wakeboarder, but at a certain point, it's like, okay, Barrett, come on, how much do I want to keep living in my glory days, right? Uh, <clears throat> it's been like six years now since my last competition, but it's still my first identifying factor in my Instagram, um, in my Facebook. Like that cuts to this day still identifies me. Um, although I'm I'm finally now at a place of being able to say, I'm Barrett, I'm a producer. Except, of course, in Hollywood, a lot of people roll their eyes at that because isn't everybody a producer is kind of our thing. Um, So that I've I've been sitting on this idea for five years. And 
a professional BMXer named Anthony Napolitan, um, you know, called me up back in February and he knew that I had transitioned into this other life. And he started telling me that he was looking to make that transition in the coming years. And what was he going to do with his life? Um, how lucrative was stunts because he knew I was doing stunts and sure. That's a great fit for him. Um, but BMX stunts are not something you're going to get a job at every week, maybe not even every month. So there was that stacked against him. And he was like, I don't know what to do. Like, should I go back to college? I never got my degree. And that's a common theme among a lot of athletes. Um, and so I, I was sort of looking at him and I was like, this is the catalyst I needed to start this documentary. Um, yeah. I originally thought I would follow him on his journey until I found out he's looking at like a five-year transition instead of like a one-year transition. Mm -hmm. um, but so that I've come to where Life After X unveils the stories of the best action sports athletes on the planet as they discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of their industry and life after living under the spotlight of fame and glory. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, where do I hit play? You know, like work, work. <laughs> Uh, down with this. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, I can't wait till till it comes out. Um, give us. Can you please like paint a picture of, I guess, the ecosystem of the interplays between sponsorships and athletes, and the gaps that exist. You know why this situation even exists. You know um, what, what? Can you give us some insight into that? Totally. In the in the short form. Um, the economy crash of 2008 really brought an end to what we knew as the heydays of action sports. <clears throat> and as people stopped spending so much money, the sponsors stopped having so much money to spend and they cut back their budgets. They were treating their pro athletes like rock stars, right? They got the best rooms at hotels. They got transported everywhere. Um, you know, they were making well over six figure incomes and didn't have to worry about a thing, really, except for getting injured, perhaps. But then when the, the economy crashed and they pulled back on their funding, it didn't just affect the athletes. It, it affected what they were putting into the contests. So contest purse prizes like got um, decreased. And yeah, for me, that, that was when my sponsorships kind of cut all of my actual pay, aside from my travel. And what they learned from doing that was that they could actually still achieve the same results from their athletes without spending so much money. Yeah. And that unfortunately, I think led to this decline that we're suffering now where it's, it's hard to make a living. It's hard to make those dollars. Um, pro models are going away, you know, which were a huge source of income for people. Um, you know, going to a contest, maybe they used to pay out top 20. Now they're only paying out top 10. Um, there's Olympic gold medalists who don't have board sponsors. And that's, that's like absolutely mind blowing to all of us yeah. in the industry. Like, I'm sorry, you won the Olympics and there's not a single board company that will give you some money for that. Like, wow. Um, so yeah, there's been a just a decline across all fronts. So for the definition of my documentary, we're covering surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, motocross, BMX, and wakeboarding. <laughs> and 
it's, you know, some of those industries like skateboarding seems to have stayed kind of in the limelight. So does surfing, but the sponsorship dollars are still down. The number of contests every year are still down. So it's really, it's really affecting the industry. And that's how these athletes are ending up in places where they're getting cut out of nowhere from their teams and are having to all of a sudden live on the investments that they might've made if they were smart enough. And even those investments don't last them long because they had still planned on a longer career. Um, there was a, a pro snowboarder I just got off the phone with right before our interview. And I've been trying to nail her down for three months and finally got her on the phone. Um, so I'm sorry that I was late, <laughs> but uh, she was telling me too how, uh, yeah, one just one day she called her sponsors being like, you know, she'd done a documentary about her life and six months later, all six or seven of her sponsors basically just completely cut her. And she was making, you know, pretty close to like half a million a year from those sponsors. And all of a sudden it was zero. And that's crazy to me. Crazy. So yeah, that's kind of what, what's happened across all platforms in action sports. What, how are you um, seeing that athletes are leveraging technologies like social media to increase their exposure or, um, you know, create their own brands and just go directly to the consumer. Um, you know, what, what are you, what are you seeing in that respect? Some of them have created their own brands. Sure. Um, that's a, a transition. I think a lot of athletes wish they could make and not all of them are able to, uh, like Chuck Carruthers, for instance, is a motocross rider in my documentary. Um, and he has now gone on to have a company called Canvas MX that makes custom motocross attire. So that's like really cool. Um, but he does a ton of other things on the side too. So it, with regards to social media, I think it's, you know, things evolve, right? So we all have to learn how to evolve with it. But social media has actually been one of the things I would personally pinpoint as a killer of action sports because... Um, the guys who came up that were digital influencers that sort of paved the way for people being paid money because of their followings and stuff, they often have sold themselves short on the amount of money they should be making. And sure. when you're a, an 18 year old coming up and you've got 200,000 followers on Instagram, which is, you know, maybe more than the X games gold medalist that year of your sport. Um, sure, brands want to throw stuff at you and they don't, these digital influencers didn't necessarily know any better to know what to ask for and instead have taken really shitty deals for like a couple hundred bucks a month and just like tons of product. And what that in turn has done is brought down the bar for pay for the athletes that have always taken it really serious and maybe focused less on their social media. So now to kind of tie that together, the professional athletes have to be posting to social media. It's actually in all of their contracts now um, about how many times they mention the brand or that they post every day or that they tag, they make all the appropriate tags and whatnot in order to fulfill their contracts. Um, and as, you know, Parks Bonifay, who's one of the legends of wakeboarding, he kind of put it like, 
you know, nowadays you've got to be your own video team, your own editing team, your own social media manager, and you still have yeah. to be a pro athlete and you have to be a kind person on the side who can push and move product. You have to be everything to everybody. And it's, um, it's an overwhelming time now for professional athletes because you have to exist sure. in that space. Professional or the, like these athletes, for example, like what do they want to do after their sport? Like, because you know you can't be an athlete your entire life. So, like, what do they? What do they like? In best case scenario, what would they want to do? Gosh, I don't even know that most of them could answer that for you. <laughs> you know, but because then, then we're talking about like what you know, you know, they're so pat. There's when you're so passionate about something like that. You, you want to snowboard down a, you know, you want to ride a mountain for the rest of your life. Right. Right. You want to hit powders for the rest of your life. But like, I mean, but what's after that? <laughs> like, right. What, what can you do? Like what character traits or physical traits can you extract from those experiences and put them towards something that, you know, you can bring some revenue in, you know, to your home and, and your family and stuff. You know, actually, a lot of athletes, um, I myself was included in this, um, wanted to become team managers for brands because, A, we'd always dealt with team managers. We knew what they did. Um, we lived the sport. We knew what it needed in terms of – so a team manager is the person who represents the brand and oftentimes goes on the road with the athletes to make sure that they're – repping the brand in a positive light or maybe getting them out of trouble sometimes or you know they oversee what the athletes are being paid and how they're going to be marketed and they work sure. with the marketing managers in that sense so yeah a lot of us actually wanted to become team managers and the thing that we all got slapped in the face with was we would turn to our sponsor that we thought we best fit and said hey I want to become a team manager well a those positions open up like every 10 years because who's ever in them like loves it. It doesn't want to leave. Like there's not a lot of changeover in that regard. Um, but B they looked at all of us and went, cool. We'll send me your resume. And so we're all sitting there like, well, uh, right. I, my resume is that I was a professional athlete for X amount of years and I rode for your company for, for all this time and I know your brand super well and uh, there's a pro snowboarder Eddie Wall who's in the documentary and his thing was like <laughs> my resume is um, I know how to travel I know how to party and I know how to build ramps really well <laughs> <laughs> he's like what more do you need in a team manager <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, you know Eddie Wall specifically they had told him sure send us your resume and um, he did, and he very quickly got passed over for someone with less experience in the industry who had a college degree, and then he didn't have one. Yeah. And that is a, a story shared amongst uh, a lot of people mm -hmm. where they want to see that you have proof running a team before you come into this, and it's like, but where was I ever supposed to go? <laughs> Like where was pro wakeboarding, for instance, ever supposed to lead me except to doing something else in the wakeboard industry? Um, so a lot of people wanted to do that. Where I'm finding that a lot of people land is uh, social media, graphic design, 
stuff that we all had to do for ourselves as we were pro athletes. Um, Cause that you can kind of show sort of proof of work for, if you know how to properly, as I call it, fluff your resume. Um, so a lot of people have really fallen into that. And that was the first episode of Devotion Freeze. Much love to everyone that tuned in to the first episode. I actually recorded this last podcast with Barrett last year while Barrett was launching her Indiegogo campaign for Life After X. And I'm absolutely stoked to announce that Barrett's Indiegogo fundraiser was a huge success and she's currently eating, sleeping, producing, and repeating. You know how it goes. I'm really excited for her in 2018 as she continues to shred in this new phase of her life after X. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. I can't thank you enough. I'm going to continue saying it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Go out to iTunes. Give me a review. Give me five stars. Next week, we have one of my favorite talks thus far with Brandon Collinsworth. Get at me on Instagram at Pablo I. Quiroga. It's my first name, middle initial, Quiroga. Maybe I'll tell you what my middle name is next next episode. We'll see. Check out our new website at fieldtalk.co and explore our many new pages. We're moving into this new phase as well. It's kind of like a theme, I think, this year, huh? New phases. Uh, we have a new collective of sorts launching new podcast shows, summits, endurance sports camps, and it's sick. Just, oh, it's going to be insane. A new excursion to Peru later this year. We're going to be doing some riding, some trekking, hiking, cultural interactions, getting really, really high altitudes. It's going to be amazing. Crush your ego, devote your life to your inner passions, and get free. Ciao.